This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery, hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with these amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes. The Backpacker is their most portable target, great for checking your sights while you're in the backcountry to make sure your arrow is still flying true. This thinner 12 inch by 12 inch target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Multipurpose like that is essential when packing light. When you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances, the Kodiak makes for the perfect target. It boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for your arrows. It's also great for when your buddies and you want to shoot together without having to take turns. Grizz makes quality targets affordable with options for interchangeable cells that keep you from needing to buy an entirely new target when the bullseye gets worn. They also have options for frames and stands and targets for field points and broadheads. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca. This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Maleg. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta-made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery to set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts in immense workmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double-read duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market, known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises, from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products, from goose calls and turkey reeds to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have online courses to get you calling like a pro. Check out everything they have to offer at slayercalls.com and call the wild. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Precision Edge Taxidermy. Owner and operator Hunter Friesen from Stetler, Alberta, puts outstanding craftsmanship into every mount to turn your most memorable stories into conversation pieces for your home. Precision Edge does everything from Euro mounts to anything big game, along with waterfowl, small game, and everything in between. Next time you connect with a trophy, connect with Hunter at Precision Edge Taxidermy. Find his stunning array of work on display on Instagram and Facebook at Precision Edge Taxidermy and contact him today. Welcome to another episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories. My guest today is Megan Farra, also known as Meg.S.Outdoors on social media. Megan is a true woman of the wild as she provides her two sons with incredible wild game meals from her excursions hunting and fishing in this province. It's not hard to tell that she prefers to spend every second she can get in the great outdoors. Megan, how are you doing today? 
I'm great. How are you? Doing good. Thank you. And yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast and sending a message and everything. It's just, yeah, awesome to have you and taking the time out to do it. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Cool, for sure. Um, so are you born and raised in Alberta or? Yes, I was born in Hinton and I've pretty much been on my family farm ever since. <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. So uh, being born in Hinton and everything, like, did you hunt your whole life? Was that from family that you got into hunting and fishing and everything? or? Uh, my grandma was a native Cree lady and she always, moose hunting was always a really big thing of hers, trapping, fishing. She lived off grid for a very long time. So my dad learned from her and I've been following what he's doing for most of my life. Wow, that's really cool. And it's, I've heard stories of that too, of like, yeah, like grandmothers or women in the wilderness and past generations that have, yeah, been the ones that are providing and doing the hunting and the trapping and stuff like that. And that's really cool to hear. Yeah, she had some amazing stories when I was a little kid. Yeah, I can only imagine. So, uh, even with your dad hunting and stuff there, like, you get that you out into the woods doing that at a young age too then most of the time lots of times nowadays he does lots of more driving his body's in bad shape so he can't go on the walks like he used to but he used to guide sheep hunts and grizzly hunts and moose hunts in wilmore park at the rock lake area and that's where most of his hunting stories came from wow that's incredible for sure and what a an inspiration to have <laughs> as a young age to get into. Yeah, it was always some sort of awesome story to hear when he'd get home. That's cool. So what age did you get into it? Like, obviously, I mean, with the generally it's like 11 or 12 and stuff like that. But was he taking you out fishing and stuff when you were really young as well? Or Yeah, I've um, been fishing at the river where we live since I can remember. Um Usually whitefish. There wasn't much for walleye or trout or anything like that too much in the river where we live. But it was always late summer. We'd always go fishing down at the river for whitefish. And we'd always come home with something to eat for supper. That's really cool. And then, uh, so did you start, when you started hunting, was it just on the farm there then in Hinton? Uh, Hinton was just where I was born. We moved to Edson, I think, the year oh. after I was born. So I live in Edson. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, lots of times I didn't get to go hunting. Sorry. Um, go on. Sorry. Lots of times I didn't get to go. Um, lots of times I didn't get to go hunting with him when he was at work. He used to work on the oil rigs, so he'd take a day or two in between trips on his way home during hunting season to go find something. Every time he'd get home, he'd phone beforehand when he was coming, and I'd always, I always remember running out to the driveway to look in the box of his truck to see if he brought something <laughs> home. That's pretty cool. Every time. Yeah. One That's of my a... biggest memories. <laughs> That's really cool, though, for sure. And that's what I kind of want, like, you know, with my son now, I'm, like, always hoping that he starts to get like that and gets more curious about it and gets excited about it like that. That's really cool. 
Yeah. And I still get really excited about it. And even now my kids, grandpa will still go out hunting. And every time he gets something, he'll let me know and I'll tell my kids, Hey, grandpa's coming up the driveway. Let's go see what he got. And they get all excited for them. So they're all amped up for it too. That's way too cool. Especially to pass that feeling down in generations. And I think that is true. Like, I don't, I don't think that ever goes away, you know, like that excitement or that, you know, that happiness for each other's successes and stuff. Like that's probably why a lot of people keep doing it. Right. Like it doesn't fade. Yeah. To be honest, I still get excited like a little kid every single time. (laughs) (laughs) It'll probably never go away. Yeah. No. And that's what it's about for sure. I find that's how I feel too. Like, you know, even when I started, first getting like that buck fever and things like that people are like yeah well you know you hope that never goes away because that'll be the day that you stop right is the day that you don't get excited like that anymore so but it's a a beautiful spot to uh to live um you guys are okay with all the wildfires and everything that came through earlier in the year uh we did have to evacuate twice (laughs) yeah which was crazy it was insane and it was during spring bear season unfortunately so you didn't get to get out much then for that not really but like where the fire came it on the maps it looked like it was a lot closer to our house than it was but in reality i think it was only about eight kilometers southeast which isn't all that far yeah but no, we didn't get burnt out, thankfully. No, for sure. I know it was something like, I'm just out, uh, like I mentioned before, but just east kind of Strathcona County area. And um, my in-laws had to get evacuated there this year. And it was it was just a grass fire that kicked up like a few township roads down from them. And, uh, you know, like we were hearing about the Edson fires a lot over here. And we heard like, oh yeah, you guys got evacuated and then got let back into town. And then what was it? It was like not even a week later or something. You guys got booted out again? I think it was a month. Oh, a month. Okay. It, like like everybody was just starting to get back into regular work and regular everything. And then it was, I remember it was not long before spring bear season was over that we had to evacuate again. That's crazy. And how long were you guys evacuated each time? Like it was a couple weeks? Uh, the first time we evacuated to Hinton and that was only for the weekend. I think it was three days. Okay. And the second time we evacuated to Alberta Beach for a week. Wow. And so where were you guys staying when you were evacuated? If you don't mind me um, the first time I couldn't find a hotel because it was absolute mayhem traffic and it was it was like an apocalypse it was insane trying to get to Hinton just from my house and I'm only like 35 minutes from Hinton yeah and it took probably a good two hours to get there and it was crazy and I had my boys with me but I couldn't get a hotel room but their dad did so I sent the boys with him and then right. I just went and camped with some friends by the mountains <laughs> so I was smart enough to pack a tent and some camping stuff at least just in case and I'm really thankful I did because I didn't get a hotel room until the next night 
Well, and that like that's what kind of started to freak us out because it's like, I mean, Hinton's like a pretty good town, you know, like to get evacuated out of a town is a totally different story than, you know, an acreage or, you know, a few houses out in the bush kind of thing. Right. Like that's kind of what really got me was, you know, when the in-laws got evacuated, we had their fire just South of us. And then there was another one like up in our Drossen at the same time that was kind of like Northeast of us. Yeah. And all of a sudden we were like, Oh, we need to have bags ready now just in case. Right. And it's like, you know, and people don't, I guess, talk about like to go bags enough it seems because all of a sudden you're like you know it's smart like you say it's so smart of you to like have just been like yeah i should throw a tent in there because majority of people don't think that majority of people think like i oh, will sleep in the car or whatever we'll do something you know and it's like that could really be the one thing that gives you somewhere to avoid some form of the the elements right like it's absolutely and like i'm i'm kind of an overthinker most days so i tend to overpack i did overpack a few things but i'm really thankful that i did at least pack that but i had planned a few years before we had a fire start right behind our house on may long weekend and it almost got us it was only a kilometer wet or west of my house and that was when i started thinking maybe i should plan what i should pack just in case we have to leave yeah and then lo and behold you leave twice in a year yeah yeah so now i am a professional doomsday packer <laughs> yeah and that's not for uh any conspiracy reason it's out of yeah here yeah reason yep. of what's been happening but but yeah no yeah. it's uh it was it just maybe i had a, a naive perspective of it you know because you'd hear people getting evacuated and everything and you're just kind of like oh wow like hopefully everyone's okay hopefully everyone can like post up for a bit and you know sucks and you know hopefully and it's like it's like kind of like your your thoughts and prayers are out for the people being evacuated and then when it really hit home like it was the fire by my in-laws there was probably the same thing like not even a kilometer from their house and it the wind switched directions on us and it switched to being like you know it was right in the area and we were kind of getting things set up with them ready to go like we went over there to help them out and then and like they weren't told to evacuate or anything yet it was just kind of like yeah this is getting really hairy and then immediately yeah. it's like emergency vehicles running up and down the driveway people being like you need to leave now next car's like you need to get out of here third one's like if you wait any longer like your car's going to be melting in the heat or whatever right? and just freaking the heck out of out of it and it's it is though right like it really put into perspective for me. I was like, this is like extremely stressful and scary. And, you know, it's like so many emotions that you don't necessarily realize until, you know, like you're kind of, for lack of better words, the one in the hot seat of like needing to get out of there. Right. Like it's. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I never really thought it would be a real thing until it actually happened. And now it's like, yeah, like things are quite, the perspective is totally different on what, things are important and what are what things really aren't and like at least you know i mean it would have really sucked if things burnt down but right and the kids were okay the dog was okay that's that's all that mattered yeah at the end of the day and i mean same thing like you say it would absolutely like i don't even know what you know where you go and all of a sudden you have to restart like that and then you know in such a short period of time and something like that happens for the people that have been affected in that way, you know, 
it's still devastating but it's yeah like you said they're really shining the light on absolutely yeah, yeah a swift reminder that what's most important are those that you love around you and yeah yeah and how fast things can change yeah in a blink of an eye like that that's life right and, yeah yeah it's insane but that's a beautiful place actually uh i'm my mom and dad prior to moving into edmonton area like growing up i just missed the window i was born and raised in edmonton and outside edmonton but they lived in edson for quite a while prior to uh moving here and yeah it's just a really beautiful place it just always reminds me of like my family when i'm going through there or anything like we actually camp over just north of edson quite a bit um in the summertime and yeah just edson and hinton and everything it's really really beautiful spot and and it just sucks that there was so much this year like so much fire and so much stuff that kind of decimated through there it just kind of yeah it's been rough but yes yeah like my my favorite area around here is from down towards rob and cadman the mountains down that way are my favorite spot love it and yeah it's very things are quite burnt down that way really hey well i didn't know what was going down there too not too far down the highway, but both sides for quite a ways before robber little chart on both sides. So how, like, have you noticed, um, like a difference in maybe population of certain animals? Like I've heard rumors that like grizzlies were getting displaced and coming more East of the Rockies and like stuff like that. Or I don't know if you guys have had more or less like things like that, like bear sightings or animals that, aren't around or around more like because of the fires i wouldn't know i haven't i've seen two black bears this year when i was hunting unfortunately no shots but um <laughs> i haven't surprisingly seen a single grizzly bear yet this year you say surprisingly like it's a common occurrence in other years or usually i see them at least three four times a year usually i see tracks down by the river by our house they pass through or by my dad's trap line just north of where i live or down towards catamount mm -hmm. usually see them on the highway and i haven't seen any yet interesting yeah but like i've, I've seen sign of them it's just whenever i'm out in the bush and see sign of them i usually kind of turn around and go the other way <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. It's not something you want to be actively looking for by any means. Not yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. Oh. So uh, with hunting around Edson and stuff like that, are you primarily like? It looks like I've seen you. You're kind of doing both rifle and bow stuff. Is there one that you're more drawn to, or? I just started archery last year. I wish I'd gotten into it when I was younger, but it was a. Uh... It wasn't really it my dad didn't really hunt with a bow so i wasn't too interested in it but once i picked yeah. one up last year i've been hooked ever since nice and then so have you found like with getting into it like last year and practicing like things have been feeling good with it is there things that you already want to change or so far um, good so far so good i i am right-handed but the bow that i bought is left-handed because my right shoulder i can't i can't pull 10 pounds with my right shoulder so wow. since i've never shot a bow i'm shooting left but like i'm i am practiced up to 50 yards not too bad but i'm really comfortable up to 40. nice that's I've really only, cool. yeah 
I really like it. I try to practice every day when it's not raining. Yeah. And try to get my kids into it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Have they taken to like the hunting and fishing stuff other than eating, (laughs) eating wild game, which is cool. Yeah, no, um, definitely more so the fishing right now than the hunting. My youngest is only four, so I can only take him so far when I'm hunting. Yeah. Um, my oldest has come on some walks with me hunting. He can't sit for too long. He gets too bored and too noisy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. They've been enjoying though, even just getting out and fishing and stuff like that too. I get how it is for sure. With it being, uh, it can be pretty boring at times. You really got to dig yeah. into appreciating just the quietness and the surroundings. <laughs> Exactly. But either way, they, they really like it and they they get more excited when I bring something home, obviously. Yeah, no kidding. It's just cool. Like, you know, not a lot of kids get that opportunity to eat, you know, wild game in general. And I just, you know, when I was looking at like the the photos and stuff, I was like, man, it's just so cool to see kids being raised on, on that food. You know, it's, it's just so awesome. Instead of being like, I don't know if I'll like it or not or whatever, just, yeah, it's important. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the prices in the stores, I can't afford it anyway. So they're, they're stuck with what I have for moose in the freezer. So. <laughs> yeah. So it's either you like it or you, you don't. You know? I mean, yeah. they eat it eventually. Sometimes it takes a while, but they're like, this is really good. <laughs> it takes a minute to, to get over Sometimes. the fire. But when it comes to fish, there's never leftovers, not one little ounce. <laughs> That's funny, eh? That's funny. Yep, they love it. And then we cool. started getting into more traditional net fishing last when two years ago. I started getting into that because I'm I'm Métis too, so I'm trying to get more into the traditional thing that my grandma would have done. So I have some family friends teaching me how to do it, and I absolutely love it. That's really cool. So are you doing that like, and and forgive me because I'm not aware of any of the, like, is there a specific place that you would be doing this? Like, is this like in the McLeod River or is it more in like a lake or like, I just don't even know how you would. Uh, I haven't done it on, apparently we, there's, there's lots of um, places that you can do it. My dad, my dad tried telling me that we could on the river. I don't know how that would work, honestly. Like, yeah. Um, but we've done it so far just on the lake in the winter with some of the elders in town and like it's it's easier, we can make a fire, we can all huddle up if it's cold and yeah, like the guy that was showing me, he showed me how to pull the net up and we were there I think there were eight of us in the group and we must have netted twenty fish. Wow. And That's everybody fun. got to keep two, three. Everybody got to go home with a cooler full of really big lake whitefish. I did not realize how big they are. Easy. And it's so really tasty. Cool. Oh, yeah. Whitefish is good. Mm-hmm. So with being like, so with the family and like yourself being Métis, and again, this is for lack of understanding. So this might sound like really naive questioning, but like with the tags and stuff like that, are you like personally do you still have to buy tags or are you like all year round able to hunt i don't have to buy tags i am able to hunt year round as i need 
sustainment, but ethically myself, I told myself I'd only go by the seasons as I would if I had to buy tags. Interesting. Like unless, unless I go through hunting season and don't get something, if I go later into December and haven't put anything in the freezers, then I'll still go until I get a little bull moose or something like that. Try to get some meat in the freezer. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, I would never, yeah, that's 100%. <laughs> like, that's what it's about. And yeah, like you say, like for sustenance and stuff like that. And, you know, if I could, I myself, if I hadn't tagged out and needed to get some sort of sustenance, of course, like, you know, especially in, you know, December, January, it starts to get colder and things start to move around a bit more. And, yeah, you get a bit different opportunity in those time frames too. So, yeah, it's not, like I never paid attention to it before until like, like I know that I'm able to, but I won't yeah. <laughs> unless I, unless I need food and yeah. I won't, I won't shoot cows like later December, January, just cause I know they're pregnant and I just ethically can't do that. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one for sure. Mm-hmm. But Well, it's good on you for like having that code of conduct or like those ethics that you carry with you because you know we've mentioned it in the past too but like there isn't really like a referee in the wilderness right so it's like you know within like the you know not baiting and stuff like that you know like it's like there's like the certain rules to to be around and stuff and then it's like you know there is a lot of ethics that take place where some people would be like oh should be like this should be like that and i'm personally I get a little bit choked seeing how many people are, I don't know if you've experienced this yourself or what your experience is with it, but I've seen quite a few like negative comments towards um, like indigenous or anyone basically being allowed to hunt year round. And that just like throws me the wrong way completely. Like it's like, to me, it's just extremely disrespectful to think that that's something that you shouldn't have the right to do. I do I do get it a lot. Really? But yeah, like I I I just dig I just ignore it and go about my day. Like I, I personally am doing nothing wrong. It's just a lot of people just think it's unfair because I don't have to pay for the tags or enter for the draws. Yeah. But it it does kind of throw in the little bit of disrespect, but I mean if I fed into it, it would just feed the beast. Yeah, that's very fair. For sure that yeah it's not going to be yeah, like choose it like picking your battles for sure it's not like worse to have those but I, I would think i was just more shocked like when i started to see people being unsupportive of that like i don't know it kind of cheesed me because i was like man out of out of all the shit that's happened in this country and all the stuff and i mean i know it, you know and it even starts to frustrate me too and i know it's a touchy subject to get into with all the like residential school stuff and all the like it's like it just seems like people don't remember that like they're still like uncovering things and uncovering you know like grave sites and stuff like this isn't just something like it was like a window in the news and then people just like started forgetting about it and it's like it is still like such an ongoing thing right so it's like i feel like so much history with it well and it just feels like it's such a minimal thing to like to basically you know give people the right to the land that you know your ancestors would have had so much time like hunting and gathering like that feels like one of the smallest things you know society can do you know and then to see that like people have problems with it i'm like what the 
is wrong with people. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to get yeah. No, that's been a thing my whole life. Like I've, I'm only Métis. Like there are status who have, you know, they can't, they've always been able to hunt all year round. Métis in Alberta just started getting harvesting rights only a few years ago. So this is a really new thing for Métis as well. Like I've only had my card for three years and been able to hunt without buying tags. I used wow. to have to buy tags and enter draws. Wow. I didn't and, realize that it was that recent for Métis. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's still lots of things they're figuring out with it too. So like, I, I honest, I thought for a while, they, I thought I had to actually buy an archery license to hunt SMAT harvester. And then they decided no, because it's technically traditional. Interesting. When well, it makes sense. I mean, it, it is kind of a funny thing, the, the, the permit or whatever, the bow hunting permit. That's like, I don't know what it is, $18, $19 a year or whatever it is money grab yeah i mean <laughs> that and you know what and the certificate too like we may as well throw that out there while we're talking about it the, the little certificate in order to buy tags like the pre tag tag and the thing you're tagged to buy a tag i don't know. you're tagged to buy a tag and you renewal on that tag every year yeah and you know like i'm all for you know putting money into conservation when it's done properly and making sure that you know the the animals are around for our children and everything to be able to share the, you know, the to be able to provide from the land and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm all for the money going towards conservation purposes when it's done proper, but there is sometimes things, like you say, like it's just a money grab and it's really hard to not see it as that, you know, you're like trying to give you the benefit of the doubt that this is like going towards a good cause, but it seems a little ridiculous to be like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And like the past few years, I've seen so many cases and so have many of my friends who live in the bush have seen so many inconsistencies with this conservation they fight so hard for. And lots of it makes no sense to me. Yeah, that's probably like the politest way to put it, because it is. Yes, yeah. like with um, with grizzly bears being protected, there was I think it was three years ago there was one poached nearby where I live and then there was not long after that there was one hit on the highway close by there mm -hmm. and um, I drove by it every day for six days they spray painted it red they cut off his paws and his head and they left him there to bloat and stink and they mm -hmm. just left they left him there for six days painted it just blew my mind. I'm like, this is what my conservation money is going for to watch this poor thing rot on the side of the highway for six with, days. Like, no, with no dignity. Like, yeah. No, and I, I, I don't know how they moved it after that. I don't even want to know. But it was, it just made my stomach turn. Oh, for sure. That, even just thinking about that, I'm like, what the fuck? How does that even... Yeah, and I had a lot of people that, like, my parents lived next door, and they, they watched it as well every day on their way to work, every day back home, every day. It's funny, I never, I've never heard about that one, but I could swear that I heard about the grizzly bear that was poached there three years ago. Like, yeah. When you said that, I was like, I think I heard about that, but I didn't hear Why wouldn't I have heard about the one that's just sitting there on the side of the highway? For, like, that's ridiculous. You'd think it'd be yeah. the other one. Like, yeah. 
You would think so. And that one that was poached, she did have twin cubs. And as far as I know, they are still around. I did see them last year. Like, that's a really common area that I go and drive up and take the kids out and berry picking and stuff. And they're, they were still around last year. So hopefully they're still there. Yeah. What's your, like, go-to for when you're in the bush in, like, grizzly area like that? Just bear spray? Or, I mean, I guess that's kind of almost the only option people can have sometimes with gun laws and stuff, too. But Well, I I always have my rifle just because. Yeah. Um, you know, being a woman by myself out in the bush, I just, I feel a lot safer having my hunting rifle with me all the time. That's fair. Yeah. hundred percent. Because I'm usually by myself with my children, which kind of brings me to a, a point the other day. Um, I, I took my boys out, check for berries, um, set up cameras and whatnot and look for bones and antlers and treasures dinosaur bones they call them yeah um, <laughs> that was the one time i'm like you know what it's a nice day i don't feel like packing the rifle and that was yeah. the one day that my dog got into it with a coyote that was eyeing up i'm assuming my dog and my kids no way the one time he was probably maybe 20 yards away maybe 25 it's just staring staring me and the kids down and like all I had was bear spray and a knife probably wouldn't have done much but um, thankfully my dog took care of it he came out a little banged up but really oh no yeah but I, I think he uh, I think he left some wounds on the coyote I'm hoping but we didn't stick around long enough to find out but I mean, if I had the rifle, I wouldn't have worried about it at all. Yeah. But that was the one time that I didn't have it. Um, like, for, like, it's always, right, how it goes. The one time. The one time. But, I mean, like, I'm I'm not out to shoot everything. It's just, like, if I yeah. happen to see a bear, if I'm out berry picking with my kids, we'll fire off a warning shot, and most likely it's going to run away. Yeah. That's well, the only thing. Like... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. I think that, like, you also, and I know, like, even I for myself, like, get that, you know, when you're in the woods by yourself and whether it's at nighttime or dusk or whether it's dark or whatever, you know, there's always kind of that, like, you're on alert, right? But it's like the minute that you're there with now your kids are in the equation, it's like that kind of protective, like, that on alert is like tenfold, I find, you know, is like, it was like overdrive. Yeah, exactly. yeah i couldn't imagine for sure especially being with your kids like that protective instinct or probably that motherhood instinct of being like a like take charge and (laughs) take care of the situation and like yeah probably a lot yeah oh big time so pretty much wrapped them around me and just walked back to the truck like we weren't too far off the road thankfully we weren't way out in the boonies but that's why i'm thankful i had a good dog no kidding yeah because oh man yeah no kidding yeah, but like I mean, that's the thing about bear sprays. You have to be pretty close. Yeah. Therefore, putting everything at risk being that close. So, I just I just feel safer having it just for just for protection purposes. Yeah, and I mean, even with the like even the noise too, right? Like when a shot's fired, it's so loud that it can deter at least hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. 
So, uh, with that, that all being said, like being an Edson and hunting around there and everything too, what were, uh, yeah, a couple of your most favorite or most memorable moments like hunting that you've had or fishing? Um, hmm. Hunting would be my first bear hunt. Well, nice. I think I was probably. I think I was 19 wow. and um, my group of friends at the time, they were all, they were all hunters. They were all way into it. So I was learning lots from them because lots of the things they did, my dad couldn't do. So I'd go out with them we'd go scouting, set up cameras. They'd show me certain areas like scrapes and things. I knew nothing about at the time. And yeah. as far as looking for bears, what to look for, what areas to check, when to check. And then that was when I started, um, they'd always say magic hour instead of golden hour at dusk. So yeah. magic hour has always been a thing. It's always in my head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as like, that was around the time I got my hunting license, my gun license and started practicing with the, I think I was using a 243 for practice, but when I went out bear hunting, I think I was using a 7mm. Wow. I'd only shot once, and it was <laughs> definitely. definitely a like a sheep hunting rifle. It was sighted in really, really far, and my friend and guide at the time, he just told me, if we happen to see something, you aim low because it's sighted really far. <laughs> He said, the, like, the chances of us seeing something that far away, I, I wasn't comfortable shooting far anyway. Yeah. I think the furthest I'd probably shot at the time practicing was, like, maybe 150, 200 yards, which yeah. I'm comfortable with. I'm still not even most of the time comfortable shooting past that. I'm the same way, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, so, yeah, um, like, there was... Lots of times we went out, didn't see anything, or we'd see something far off and they'd take off, whatever. Like, I, I really never even went looking for bears much because my dad didn't bear hunt. So that was, like, it was all totally new experience for me. And it was it was just fun to get out and see bucks and velvet all over the place and just checking out different areas, learning so many new things. And I was just so into my element and just... That was kind of when I knew I was like absolutely hooked. That's cool. And even though I hadn't gotten anything yet, but we, my guide and friend at the time, we went out one night and just for, a, he's like, well, you're done work. Let's go for a quick drive. See what we see. Might not see anything. It was getting close to the end of season. And it was pretty close to dark. We were going to, getting close to where we were going to turn around and go back and whatever. And I came up close to a corner and I saw something so black. I'd never seen something that black before. And I told him to stop and he looked, he's like, shit, there's there. <laughs> so, <laughs> shut the lights off, shut everything down, went for a walk. I followed him. We kind of snuck around the corner, like the trees, the poplars were just light enough. You could see through them, but he hadn't seen us. And I think he was probably 200 yards away at the time. So we tried to stock up as close as we could without being noisy. And I just 
I followed him. I listened to him because I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. So um, we got to pretty close to, I, I'm going to say around 150 yards. I can't quite remember. This is quite a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. It was probably like 2013. Okay. Long time ago. But um, I think we got close to 150 yards and like got comfortable, sat down. I remember, I'll never forget how heavy that rifle was and like huge, shiny, expensive scope. It was my boyfriend's rifle at the time and like, yeah, his pride and joy is baby. So I'm like, should I better be careful with this thing? <laughs> so I got set up, I got comfortable and um, I waited for my friend to tell me when, like where I should be aiming because he was kind of grazing facing us yeah and still had no clue we were there so i'm i could feel my heart racing but i like i knew i had to stay calm because i can't i wasn't gonna shoot if i was you know shaking like a leaf yeah and even talking about it now i'm all excited (laughs) (laughs) uh so i waited and i just i remember him saying I don't think he's going to turn. You have a really clear shot. Aim at the ground in front of him. And you'll hit him right in the chest. So I did. I took took my time. I got calmed down. Like I was calm-ish. Not calm enough. I made sure I pep-talked myself enough to calm down enough to take the shot. And I took the shot. And... All I saw was a little tuft and his paws from his back feet up in the air. And no, he was no over on his back and motionless, nothing. And my friend looked at me. He's like, I think he hit him square in the mouth. And I just, I'm just like, I started like shaking and like just right jittery. And I'm like, no way. There's no way, but he literally did a backflip. No. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Like, I saw his butt and his back feet and uh, and nothing. Like, no, he didn't run. He didn't stumble. Just, oh, it, and uh, I'm, I'm happy I had somebody else witness that with me because nobody would believe me. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely insane. And so I kind of sort of I didn't cry or nothing but I was just like holy crap holy crap like oh my god <laughs> I just shot a friggin' bear <laughs> yeah no like, kidding wow and so we got packed up and we walked back to the vehicle and kind of the road went a little bit closer to the where the bear was on a I think it was a pipeline um and got close to him I'm like holy shit holy shit sorry holy crap <laughs> awesome. um and Got out and walked up to it, and it's just like he wasn't huge. He was not not a big bear. He wasn't tiny, but he wasn't huge by any means at all. And um, oh, it was just absolutely insane walking up to a bear that I had shot. And my friend picked up his head, and his jaw was in pieces. Like no it was. Way. <laughs> Everything was mush. 
I literally hit him square in the mouth. There was no exit wound. There was no hole in the hide. Absolutely nothing. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just like, I sat down. I kind of held. He was really heavy. Like his head was heavy. I mean, I was tiny, but you know, holding his thick, coarse, weird feeling hair and just. It was wow. It was such an experience. So, like, I I didn't realize where I'm assuming I had hit him in the mouth, obviously, but like, we didn't take any pictures or anything there. Picture cameras were just becoming a thing then. And I think we used a camera when we got back to the house. But so we fought to get this thing back in the truck. Thankfully, it was just a little truck. And I did not realize how heavy those things are. And I'm kind of thankful it wasn't a big one. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. And so, like, we um, we took him back to the house. We put him up on the hoist. Started, or no, we took pictures first. And I think it's on my Instagram. I don't know if it's still on there or not. It's my picture of me with the bear holding my rifle i had a ponytail in my hair but he told me i had to put my ponytail on his mouth to take a picture because he's he was mangled so bad that's crazy like to take a decent enough picture i had to take the ponytail up and wrap it around his muzzle oh no (laughs) that's funny Oh, it was uh, crazy. It was such an experience. So, yeah, and then we scanned them out, and I didn't realize how much they look like people when you scan them. It's really weird. Yeah, but, a little bit disturbing. Yeah, and it was like just learning how to scan out their feet and stuff properly. Like, I kind of forget now. It's been a while. But yeah. just learning how to do all that. And then we got to the head, and he's like, There is not a hole in this hide anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he's like crazy. I cannot believe that so did you like, keep well, the hide what's that did you keep the hide I did Nice. I did I had it tanned I should have turned it into a rug but I didn't have money at the time I was just 19 I was a waitress and so I tanned him and he hung over my couch for years and I'll remember I'll never forget when I took him to the taxidermist and he asked me if I snared him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I told him the story and I said, I know nobody will believe me. I have a witness. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> so I didn't even get to keep the skull, unfortunately, because there was yeah, nothing to keep. <laughs> there was nothing there, yeah. Oh. No, I, I wish there was, but man, I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live. It was an amazing experience. That's crazy. That's too cool. And so, did you know, like, when you know, when you were into getting, like, you just really wanted a bear, like, that year, or like, what really like drew you to? I think it was for bear hunting. I never really much thought of it because my grandma didn't, my dad didn't. Um, but when I started um, dating this guy when I was waitressing, that was his group of friends. We're all hunting buddies, and it was spring bear season and they were all amped up about it. I'm like well this sounds really exciting because we're hunting predators not just yeah. hunting deer and it like it was it was really neat to learn hunting bears as well as deer like it's a totally different thing and a completely different rush no doubt 
and to make one do a backflip like that like that <laughs> and, he's, and yeah my friend's like well you gave him some free dental work oh <laughs> That's funny. that was a once in a lifetime thing i'll never forget it was that was definitely a, a very good first experience <laughs> yeah no kidding especially like because you know a lot of guys are doing the the baiting and stuff like that and you know hunting over a bait pile and there's nothing yeah wrong with that option to go and do that but it's just funny to like have that all like just going for a drive and like pretty casual and then it turns into like an absolute adrenaline rush right like yeah absolutely no it was i i wasn't expecting it we were just chatting listening to music and you know and then holy crap there's a i see i see something and he's like shit that's a bear that's too funny and i think you know like how cool is that for like your boys too growing up like there's not many people i know that can say like you know their mom shot a bear you know (laughs) it's not very many and i don't mean that yeah. No, they haven't seen me get one yet. I was hoping to this year, but maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, I, I love it. It's such a, such a rush. Yeah. And like, yeah. It, it's good management. There's so many of them. And, well, yeah. and if they're cooked right, they taste it. <laughs> so you do enjoy it, eh? I haven't actually ate bear myself yet at all. So it has to be cooked right. And it's like, if it's, lives in a dump they taste like a dump literally so, i've heard like, that before when i was going to ask you like depending on their diet is like really dictated how they taste 100 percent, yeah so i like if they eat like one i had hunted a few years after probably i don't know 12 years ago i think i hunted one and like that one was in a big berry patch and like tasted nice and sweet and like they're greasy they're just greasy yeah. and but like you can make them into like a pulled pork kind of thing or ground or whatever like if they're spiced and cooked right they taste pretty good and like yeah. the big thing for me with bears is more of a traditional thing especially with natives um bear fat can be rendered yeah. into bear grease for eczema yeah, we actually um, use that for my son. Actually, I myself had like pretty bad eczema growing up. And then my son had it quite a bit when he was, I don't know what it was, like baby eczema or whatever. He got it really bad on his cheeks, like on his face. Yeah, uh, mine too. Yeah, so we use that and tallow and stuff like that. And it's amazing, like how good that's It is so works. good. And it's been around since the dawn of time. Yeah. And exactly. like compared compared to like the pharmaceutical type like the steroid creams and stuff, I'd oh. much rather just use bear grease. And it yeah. works so good. And it is and crazy. Yeah. I've definitely so used many it. uses for it. Yeah. No, that's too cool. I've definitely used the steroid stuff and that I mean, it was terrible. I like it. yeah, I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't even recommend it. It's drove me nuts that stuff. No, like I, I use it right now because I don't have any bear fat, but once mm-hmm. I get some, I won't need it anymore. But it, like it, I used it for probably four months straight on my eczema and my eczema is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and like I, I, it cleared up for years. And really? now it's starting to just come back now. So. It's a vengeance, eh? So time for another bear. 
But yeah. like, I mean, I, I use everything that I can out of it. I'm not just, you know, shooting it to take the hide or shooting it to take the skull. Yeah. If I can cook it, I'll eat it. If I can use the fat to make whatever, like there's so many uses for bear grease too. Like there's, um, I've offered for our friendship center in town, like they have a youth group and she asked me if I happened to get a bear, if she could do a class and teach these young youth how to render bear fat, how to skin them out, how to cook them, how to, you know, how to utilize everything. And I said, absolutely. If I get anything, if I get a deer, if I get anything. So I will be helping teach these kids more traditional ways too. That's so cool. Like good, good for you to do that for the community. And honestly, even good for that lady for asking. Cause I feel like so many people nowadays would like shy away from that. They're like, Oh, I don't know if it's too much or whatever. And it's like, those are the most important things that are kind of fading when it comes to, you know, and then like, and it's not good that those kind of traditions are not, I don't know if traditions is the white right word, but like are just fading and, you know, in just modern day society with technology and things like that, like people don't want to be rendering bear fat or skinning a bear or skinning an animal or butchering their own meat or anything like that. And it gives you such a deep appreciation for the food on your plate and the things that you have and stuff like that, that I think those are like such valuable things to be teaching youth you know it's not just because it's cool or it's different or it's a tradition or it's unique it's like it's so important that people continue it and learn it like it's really cool to do that no it's a it's a dying thing like there's not many people that even know it hard, hard how to hardly do any of this which is why me and this lady got in on this conversation because she's the youth group leader in town for the natives and like if they can get them more involved like the kids are all about it they're so excited to do to have any part of it and like same with trapping season my dad traps so if we get rabbits she she would love to take a rabbit to show them how to do it up to how to you know how to can rabbit meats things like that that are not a thing anymore (laughs) Well, and people, like, so many people kind of, like, steer away from it. They're like, ooh, like, I guess I'll try rabbit. It's like, what do you mean you guess? Like, do it, you know? <laughs> it's like, eat it. It's so know. good. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's like so the highest form of protein you can get. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's just wild that it's becoming such a thing that people are almost, like, perturbed by or would, like, they, like, steer away from when it's, like, you know, like, in worst-case scenarios, like, that's, the only option that you can have you know and you know important those things are to know how to do and to pass on to people like if not we just get so lost in society that we'd be absolutely doomed if anything happened to us you know like in the stranded anywhere or anything but exactly and i would like to be able to sustain myself if the world goes to crap (laughs) yeah and to provide that for other people right like that knowledge to pass it along to other people of how you can take care of yourself and the world does provide when you look at it the right way and stuff like that and treat it the right way. Right. It's crazy. Exactly. And not just for my kids. Like if I can show other kids how to do it, like I'm all for it because if, if they're willing to learn, I I'll, I'll teach them what I know. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Well, and that's really honorable because yeah, if, if they don't have people in their own family that know how to do it, like who the heck else will. Right. And there's not a lot of, teachers out there willing to do that so that's really cool yeah, that you exactly which is where this lady's awesome because they'll do 
brain tanning camps and things like that where they'll have yeah. like a weekend out in the bush and they'll make dry meat they'll you know they'll learn how to tan hides with brains which is which i haven't even learned how to do yet which i want to learn <laughs> but that's the legitimate way to do it right like that's because i was looking into like tanning a coyote pelt and it's like that's the way apparently like that's the way the best way to do it and i mean that's the way it's traditionally been done and like i've never done it myself either or like learned enough of how to do it but yeah it's so cool no my dad does it like he's he's pretty good at it and he always told me and i'll never forget he said whenever you do kill something technically their brains on themselves are big enough to tan their entire hide hmm. so i mean maybe but I mean, how else would they have done it back then? There was no tanning oils or anything back then, so I mean, they had to do it somehow. But like he's been, he worked on a moose hide this spring for probably a good month, and it it turned out really good. Wow, it was a really neat process. That's just way too cool, and I'm just like you know, it's one of those things that like who figured this out in the first place and started sharing it with each other to teach it to get it this far up along you know <laughs> that, that's yeah it makes one, you wonder yeah that that's the one part that successfully worked for that but yeah well it's like a lot of my friends talk about their perfumes and stuff and i'm like do you know where that smell comes from yeah exactly and they're like no so i'll tell them like, it comes from beaver bowls <laughs> you're <Yeah>. welcome <laughs> they're like ew no it comes like from somewhere right? yeah exactly uh very funny so you know being as and i mean i hate to kind of put it i don't know what the appropriate way of really saying it is it's like you know being somebody that loves the wilderness as a woman and i was like i just it's hard because it feels like it's such a run over by like a masculinity like male world or whatever but do you find like you're inspiring like other women to get out and hunt as well or is it something that like you know, you've just been amongst all the guys in the field or anything like that, or like, what's your take on? Well, I mean, when I started, yeah, when, when I started, it was kind of just one of the guys kind of in the group and whatever. But I mean, now that I'm getting older and more into it, it's like, I want, you know, my own gear, my own things like that. And it is really hard to find things for women's that are meant for hunting, like to find a pack that, that actually fits me properly. There's no way I could use a a man's pack because it would have absolutely destroyed my back and my shoulders. I tried it. It failed miserably. But I've, I'd like, like I've, I've been inspired by some other ones myself, but like the more I feel, the more I get out into it, I feel like I'm doing the same thing, I hope. Yeah. And inspiring well, I mean, other ones to get out there. It's like, well, you don't have to live in the kitchen. You know, you can go out too. <laughs> Well, and, and I mean, yeah, that's like a thing of the past anyway, the, <laughs> the, the kitchen thing. But, exactly. but no, it just, it's very admirable because, you know, it, like, I don't know what, I don't know, I have a tough time like putting words to it that it should never really matter, you know what I mean? Like at all, like it shouldn't matter who's out there doing what. But like, I find even like my wife slowly kind of turned like becoming interested in hunting the more, but it's like, more more so she like is really enjoying shooting a bow like we started like she finally came with me to shoot a bow this year and was like okay like i get i and i think she knew prior to doing it that she would like it 
And then, yeah. you know, even now, like I'm looking at like certain bows on the market to get her set up and we're kind of shopping around right now for a bow. And I'm like, man, like, even like you say the same thing for like the packouts for women or for the backpacks for women or anything like that. It's like, even the bows for women are like, you know, they're, and I get there's different poundages and there's ones you can set to a lighter draw weight or a heavier draw weight or whatever. And it's like people should just be shooting the draw weight that they're comfortable with, regardless of like gender or anything like that. But it's exactly. like, but then when it comes to like both sizes and like weights and like, it just seems like there's really kind of even few and far between for. It's very limited. Like for women. Women. Yeah, yeah, it is very limited. And it's just kind of a shame because it's like, it doesn't need to be that way, you know, but maybe it's just limited because yeah. in the same instance, there's not maybe as many, but it, the more I look around, the more I start to see tons of women out in the field doing it. Right. So it's like, I don't know, I, I don't know where to sit with it, but. Well, I mean, if there was more available for women, like there has been with men, like even, even hunting clothes at Canadian Tire or things like that. Like there's maybe yeah. the odd women's shirt or the odd women's pair of boots. Everything That's else is men's. And it's it, like, it doesn't, I don't care if it's all men's stuff. I just got to find extra small men's stuff because <laughs> I'm not, you know, a size 4X man. Yeah. Well, that's just the, the sizes and stuff like that too. But, and that's a really valid point too. Like it's, I haven't even thought about that on the, you know, the camo side of things or a lot of the clothing side of things that. Well, yeah, like just, some sites have come out with women's lines finally. And I have like, I've been looking for a while and thanks to a few lady friends on Instagram, I actually found a women's only camouflage site and their cool. stuff that I've tried so far is amazing. So you know I'm really thankful is? I found that. <laughs> Do you know what their name is? Uh, it's called Proist. I think I'm not sure how it's pronounced, and I think they're based in the states. But like their their stuff so far has been really good. It fits good. It's adjustable. Like I mean, women are just built built a little bit different. Yeah, and all different. Yeah. So finding yeah. the right size like pants was a big thing, and I wanted good brand pants to go hiking, hunting, and the ones I found on this Proist site, they were fantastic. How do you spell that? Sorry. I just like for my wife too. I'm like, this is intriguing. P-R-O-I-S. I think there's a little hyphenation on the O, I think. But as soon as you type it in on Google, it should be the first thing that comes up. Okay, cool. That's yeah. really cool. It's, it's, and then like, I honestly, I like that. Like this one that's just really women only like it doesn't we've got enough options as men that we could never be like well what do you mean women only you know what I mean? like good like <laughs> it should be like to support yeah getting more women in the field and providing options like you say for sizes and fits and things like that and then you can tell that they care that way because it's like you say there's a, a few lines out there but it's really not yeah. a heck of a lot and no yeah, like i've always liked the the Kuyu, I always loved their pattern and it was always men's and like half my hunting friends, they'd always get like the small men's jacket and it looks huge. The small men's pants and they're absolutely huge. <laughs> so they came out with a women's line last year and I was absolutely stoked. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I got a couple things, but. Yeah. And small men's is still pretty darn big. Like, yeah, it's, it's funny, but. 
Well, and I'm only like I'm I'm five foot three, so I mean, small man's anything still going to be huge on me. Yeah. So no, like. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, like it took a lot of shopping around, but now I've nothing matches. But whatever, I've got, I've got everything I need finally. <laughs> yeah, but it shouldn't be that difficult, and especially like, you know, it's one thing to get it just like for the pattern and stuff like that too. But then like the fit is so important if you're going to be out in the cold and out in the elements, right? It's like you can't just be having something baggy on that's letting all this cold air in at every pocket it can or whatever, right? Like it's there's reasons why that things fit the way they do when it's outdoor gear as compared to just like whatever it's a baggy t-shirt, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there was lots of asking around with friends. Like I have a couple other girlfriends that hunt too. And they're like, Hey, try this or try that. Or if they see something online for sale, they tag me in it and say, you try this and whatever. And like, it took a long time, but I finally put everything together that I need so I can actually go out warm Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully, yeah. you know, like, I'm not going to match up at all and, you know, be a, a brand ambassador by any means, but I'm comfortable. And as long as I get the job done. Yeah, no, for sure. But it, yeah, it's, I think it's cool. It's cool that you got friends out there too, like other ladies that you guys are doing it with and everything too. Like now I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm going to probably message you a couple times here in the next week or so being like, yeah, what did you think of, like, I might even just put my wife in touch with you, too, for some inspiration and even just, like, trying to find some other options and stuff like that, too, because it is something that I didn't realize until recently is, yeah, not the easiest, and it's kind of ridiculous that it's frustrating in general. Like, it's 2023. <laughs> like, yeah, no, like, once I got into the bow thing, like, the only reason I bought the bow that I did is the, like, I clean houses for a living and I work at Canadian Tire as well. But the one oh, lady nice. I clean house for, yeah. Um, this lady I clean for, she every time I clean there, she had this bow under her bed on the floor collecting dust. I'd always have to clean around it or move it, clean around it. And I finally asked her, would you sell it? Like we're kind of the same size, same build, whatever. And she's, she said, I'll I'll trade you a month's worth of cleaning and you can just have it. Like it came yeah, with right. the arrows, it came with the quiver, it came with the release. All the all the accessories were already with it. I just had to work to pay it off. So like I got deal. myself a bow. <laughs> That's cool. That's and a pretty it, good. It would probably me. still be sitting there if I didn't buy it. Yeah, that's a good deal. But it was like there. I didn't realize how much work was entailed with it. I had to take it into. There's a amazing sports store in Hinton, and I spent probably a good three hours with him, just getting it set up properly, cutting the arrows to length, him showing me how to the proper stance, and he was impressed with my left-handed shooting for being righty yeah, and how good I was. <laughs> that's um, definitely not but... an easy thing to adjust to. <laughs> Yeah. No, but I mean, since I've never shot a bow before, he said you kind of have an advantage because you don't have to retrain your eyes or retrain yourself how to shoot a different way. So, yeah, so fair. far, so good. Now yeah. I just have to successfully harvest something with it. Yeah. Well, that'll be rewarding, though, for sure. I'm sure. And even given, yeah, what sounds like your connection to your ancestors and stuff like that, too, would probably be a very rewarding hunt to succeed with for sure 
I almost did last season. I was so close. Yeah. Um, I had a camera set up all summer, and I was watching this one buck. I called him Ghost because he was a friggin' ghost. Yeah. He'd show up at night once every two weeks or so. Give me one good picture, maybe two. And he was a really nice five by five. Really nice, probably, I'm going to say like a four-year-old maybe. But yeah. beautiful deer. And I got pictures of him a few times and then nothing. And then um, bow season came around. So I set up my tree stand, which I'd never sat in before even. I, I bought one and I set it up. And I was really enjoying watching deer every night out in the field, just eating and playing and the does fighting. And it was quite entertaining. And then one night, I think it was... I'm going to say about an hour before dark, I see Ghost, I call him, walk out of the bush, probably 170 yards away on the other side of the field, way out of bow range. <laughs> I didn't have the yeah. rifle. Um, so, like, where the deer had been coming was pretty close to my stand, like 20, 30 yards. So I just sat and waited and watched them all for quite a while. I kept watching them in the binoculars and kept thinking he's a lot bigger than he looked in the camera. Yeah. And watched for quite a while and I think he finally got up to like 40 yards no shot and it was probably about 10 minutes after legal light. Yeah. And I didn't want to move because he was right there and I did not want to scare him off. So I'm like, you know what? I'll sit here till midnight if I have to, I guess. Just to and, not spook him. Just to not spook him. And like he turned, he came right up to my tree stand. He must have been maybe eight or ten yards away, right underneath me. And if it had been ten minutes earlier, oh. it would have he probably would have hopefully been my first bow kill, but the fact that he was right there and then he must have caught my scent or something. He kind of looked my direction and took off, but I had to hang on to the tree after that. I was shaking so bad. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> I didn't funny. move at all until he left, but I've never been that close to a big deer like that in my life. And, oh, my God, what a rush. <laughs> no kidding. No that kidding. was insane. So yeah, that was really it. It is tough, right? Because like it's a, there's always the had it been done, and that's what makes it so hard to you know wait to see him again or whatever or have the opportunity again. Like you know, definitely had those moments where you're like, oh, had had it been one small you know difference, and it would have meant success, right? Yeah, but, but I was just happy with the fact that I got to see him that close. I haven't seen him since. I hope he made it another year, but. My camera will tell me, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope so, too. That would be awesome. Wow. Yeah. I'm hoping at least something. I would love to get anything with the bow this year. Yeah. I, I would be more than thrilled to just shoot something with it. Oh, that'd be way too cool, for sure. I'm I'm sitting here rooting for you. So I'm like, if, you, if it happens, send me a picture, because I'd be stoked to see <laughs> when it happens. Oh, I would probably yeah. post it the second I got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what are your plans for this year, then? Are you, is there any other than, you know, is there any, like, major goals other than maybe, say, that ghost deer or anything um, like that? Maybe another bear, but... 
I, uh, I don't know about bear this fall. I'm really hoping for, for a bull elk. I'm trying to make plans to get one. That's cool. I've never hunted elk before. I've never called for elk before. Like it's that would be that would be crazy for me. Yeah. And from what everybody's told me, they said that's that's the greatest hunt ever is elk. Yeah. And just so that communication you can have. Yeah, and like moose are quite moose are definitely high on my list. Like I my first moose hunt was absolutely amazing. And they're they're one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. Um, I've gotten uh, two now, but my first one was definitely probably my second most memorable hunt. <laughs> yeah. What happened with that one? You could definitely go into that for sure. I don't... Oh, that one was awesome. I actually have. I was taking my my friend's son. He was 14. I was going to, I was taking him out, trying to get him his first buck. And I had my kids with me. It was pretty cold. It was, it was almost the end of November. It was after my birthday. My birthday's Remembrance Day. Right. And uh, so I took the kids out for a drive. I took him with me and we went out scouting and looking around like, hey, well, if we see one down a pipeline, we'll go for a walk. We'll go get one, whatever. And I was still looking for moose because I'd only had a deer in the freezer and to feed me and my family, it was not not much meat. So I was yeah. I was still looking for more meat. And um, we were we weren't driving for too long, an hour or so. And you can't really take the boys out walking when it's minus twenty. Yeah. So so we went up up this um, road kind of north of town i guess and um we were going along and i could see tracks down this cut line like there was fresh ish snow and lots of snow already so i think they were was it deer no it wasn't deer tracks it was moose tracks i wouldn't have stopped if it was just deer tracks <laughs> so i went i went for a quick walk around the corridor and there's i left the kids all and and the and the older kid in the truck and went around the corner, and there's two bull moose. Wow. And the the one was facing away. They kind of saw me, but they kind of weren't really paying attention. Like, it was later, and they were just, they stand, they seemed to stand around forever at the end of the month. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, holy shit. And I think they were, I'm going to say between 120, 140-ish yards. I don't remember exactly. And the one was a bit bigger, but he didn't give me a clear shot. The younger, smaller one was just about perfect. And the other one had moved slightly over. And the younger one gave me an absolute perfect shot. So I I didn't even hardly take my time. I lifted up my gun. I freehanded wow. right where I wanted to. And I took my shot. And he literally went one, two, three steps. and down and um, i i was in shock i was oh did that just happen and i looked back and the the other kid was kind of like because he heard the shot so he's coming walking he's i'm just like i just got moose no way no way i just got a moose (laughs) and like i'm i i 
wow. It was just such a surreal experience. Wow. So so both you and like you and both your kids got to go walk up to that one? Yep. Wow, that's <laughs> Oh man, it was something. And I get up to him and my first thought was, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. To, that's what I was going to ask you. It's like, so did someone like, for as for like getting it out of there, did you quarter it there? Did you get someone to come out and help you get it out of there? Or? First thing I did was take pictures and I phoned <laughs> my dad, but it was I think it was a Sunday morning or something. It was a weekend morning. Yeah. And he must have been sleeping because I phoned him like 10 times. <laughs> That's right, and, of course. Huh? Well, I was said, of course. Like, I'd be calling like 10 times too. <laughs> well, I'm like, hey, who else can I call? And the kid that was with me is like, phone my grandpa because he lives next door. So I phoned him and he's like, well, I'll go wake up your dad. And in the meantime, I called my sister who lived a little bit closer. Yeah, and like I knew nobody was coming right away because we were about an hour away from everybody. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I gotta gut this thing like now. How yeah. the heck am I gonna do this? Because where he landed was in some deadfall and in a bowl, basically between two dead trees. So I couldn't roll him. I the yeah. best I could do was tie up his legs, and I was basically fishing. Yeah. For, I think it took me. Because it was just me, basically, like, between trying to keep the boys warm and comfy and whatever, I kept sending them back to the truck and turned the truck on, moved it closer so I could kind of watch at least where I could yeah. see. And I had the kid help me as much as he could, but, like, he's just a little guy, so I was pretty much trying to do all that myself, but it took me probably a good hour and a half just to gut him. Wow. And just the way he was laying, it was so hard. And yeah, there were some um, smells I'll never forget because I may have punctured the stomach. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. But, I mean, there, there was there wasn't much of a way of avoiding that. It's just the way he was laying. It was it was something. But like the longer it took me, the more bloated he was getting. So I'm trying to harder and harder to pull and pull with everything I got and I'm absolutely yeah. soaked from head to toe yeah. and yeah thankfully by then it had warmed up a little bit mm -hmm. and <laughs> so then I'm thinking okay how the heck am I gonna so I started trying to quarter him as best as I could and then my sister showed up with a saw thankfully yeah, and it was it was a lot of work. I think we got the hind quarters off and one front quarter by the time my dad showed up. Yeah, and he's just kind of like, "Well, what the heck are you doing? Why are you doing it the hard way?" I'm like, "Cause I've never done it before. And there's nobody here. <laughs> like I'm figuring it out." Yeah. So he he made a hole in the moose's nose and threw a a rope through it and he had like 500 feet of rope and he went and hooked it up to his truck and he drug the rest out to the road. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I'm, I'm just like... A... Sorry, go on. I didn't mean to get you off. No, that's okay. Um, I'd, It was... Like, I mean, I, I don't know how I would have done it by myself. It would have taken me forever. I mean, I would have got it done eventually, but... Yeah, it was a lot of work, but I mean, my dad's done it so many times. He's just like, "Hey, work smart, not hard." 
Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying, but I'm also trying to figure it out too. I don't have 500 feet of rope yeah. <laughs> or a sled in my truck. Like I had, I had a, a sheet of plywood. <laughs> well, and they're such a big animal and there's so much, like it can become overwhelming so fast. Like, how am I going to flip this thing this way? How am I going to lift that leg this way? Like, yeah. It was absolutely insane. Like I, I grew up with horses and this thing was a lot bigger. Yeah. It was just, it was, that's why when I got up to it, I'm like, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I think it was probably a good six or seven hours before I got home. And then I had to hang up quarters and then I hadn't skinned out the quarters yet. Cause I had to drag it. I didn't want to get it all dirty. <laughs> Yeah. So I had to start I had to rush to skin it when I got home before it froze so it wasn't harder. And but geez, by the time I was done, it was probably ten at night. So I'm gonna say a good twelve hour day. <laughs> wow. It was, it was wild. But but that shot couldn't have been more perfect. I just it was wow. I think it's just so cool too to show your kids that experience too and you know, them kind of be along for the ride with that one too as as much as it is. like I just keep thinking of how cool it is for them to Yeah, they, like that, they still you know? they still remember where when we drive by they're like that's where you got that moose. That's just so cool. Because they'll never forget that, you know, like when you know when they're adults one day they'll be like, Yeah, that's where my mom's got that moose. <laughs> like it's just those are the memories they'll never ever ever forget, right? That's way too cool. No, it's awesome. Yeah, it was it was such a good feeling. And then to have, like, by the time it took me, I think, because I processed it all myself at home, that took me yeah. a month. Yeah. But, jeez, like, the 700 pounds of meat was worth it. That's just, a, that's so much meat. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So, I'm so, like, well, that moose fed us for a whole year. Wow. That's so awesome. Yeah, and like big learning process, learning cuts, learning what to do, what not to do. Yeah, how to do it right, how to do it without hurting yourself. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, it was great. That's way too cool. So this year, then you got like, do you, do you have any other than like elk? Like, would you target another moose, or are you thinking just kind of what comes up when you're when you're out there? Like, there's certain things you're hoping for other than the elk. Um, mostly moose. Um, yeah. I'm maybe one day a muley. We don't have muleys around here, and um, maybe one day. But elk is definitely big on my list. Yeah. One day I would love to get a bighorn sheep. My dad got his trophy, and ever since he got that sheep, I'm just like I I would love to get a sheep. I know it would be a lot of work, but one day I will get a sheep. <laughs> Yeah, that's a. I think it's a big goal for you know many of us. Yeah, that, but definitely elk for sure. Yeah, that's on my um, list this year too. I haven't done elk either, and now I'm just like itching to go and even just to talk to them in the trees, you know, to try to bugle back and forth. Oh, that would be cool. And like I, I got to learn how to do that. That's why I want to go with somebody that knows what they're doing, so I'm not screwing things up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, i mean i'm all about learning how to do it so yeah i just yeah. don't want to mess it up no for sure yeah oh, that's crazy 
Well, honestly, Megan, yeah, it was so nice talking to you tonight and everything. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing the stories and sharing about yourself and everything. And yeah, just everything that you do out there in Edson and your family and how much you give back to the community and yeah, the people that you share these moments with. It's just pretty remarkable what you do. And yeah, it's really nice to, to talk to you. And yeah, I just wish you the best this year. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully you get on an elk or anything like that or get on an elk on a boat hill and same thing i'd just love to have you on in the future and hear of any of your successes from this year or anything like that too would be amazing for sure thank you for having me it was fun yeah no i appreciate it it was really really awesome to hear everything absolutely well, you take care you have a great rest of your evening there and uh yeah we'll keep in touch because i'm going to message you about uh things for my wife here too so <laughs> yeah it. sounds good no worries okay you have a good night thanks you too Thank you. Bye. Bye.